Oh, it's the day after. We've never done one of these before either. Mm. A post-Eagles game, Birds 365. Here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel with your Mac and Mac guys, Jordan McDonald, along with my partner, John McMullen. Oh, John, you look okay. You, you pulled a Jody Mac last night. You're working on short sleep here today. What really time did you get out of Lincoln Financial Field? Uh, about two-ish, I so? think. About two-ish in the I Yeah, I don't know how you do this, man. <laughs> well, now, but I, I don't – you do that, too. You do the morning, and you go all the way to the night. So, And then somehow I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the link, and I go, man, it's hot out. It's freaking two in the morning. It was unbelievably hot even – even at that point, uh, so it was uh, it was a soupy environment for the players out there. Luckily, it was just short bursts for them because, man, I wouldn't have liked to have seen the guys drop and trying to play four quarters. We're jumping into the soup with you here today after the Eagles' first game in the Nick Sirianni era. Yes, it was a loss, 24-16, but that doesn't much matter, as we were saying leading up to the game, as we'll say every single year in preseason action. The actual W and L is not all that important. It's what key guys do in key spots. And overall, John, I got to say, if you're just giving the Eagles a grade for Nick game one in the Nick Sirianni era, I give it a passing grade. They played well. They won the first half when most of the starters were in. They got buried in the second half. All right, the Eagles' third string isn't exactly what it needs to be as of right now. I give them a passing grade for game number one, even though it's a loss. How about you? Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, they were ahead 13-0, and then kind of it, it came off the rails. I mean, the first and, you know, a mix of the first and second team there, they outplayed the Steelers. Now, the Steelers also know Ben Roethlisberger, know T.J. Watt. They're star players, a lot of them. Uh, so you have to throw that in the mix as well. But I was impressed with the with the first and second group, and, and they played pretty well, and they played sharp. So – the fact that they couldn't get anything done in the second half, they were dismal in the second half offensively. They couldn't move the ball at all. Nick Mullins looked atrocious. Wasn't just him. I mean, you know, guys running bad routes, uh, everything. No, no pass protection uh, that deep into the offensive line. So you see that all the time in preseason football because you know those guys aren't ready to play. And the Steelers, on the other hand, you can make fun of Dwayne Haskins all you want, and people do, but, I mean, that's a pretty good third-string quarterback from a talent perspective. So it's one of those teams where you kind of put into the mix that they're not completely inept when they get down to their third team. So I, I don't care about the, the win-loss aspect of it. I care about the first team and, and again, some of the top-tier reserves played Played pretty well, so I definitely give him a passing grade. Understood and agreed, and I feel exactly the same about the position that we're going to talk the most about. We do every single year, every single game, as a matter of fact, and that's quarterback. Um, again, starting quarterback, most important. Joe Flacco, pretty good. Nick Mullins got awful. Um, but Jalen Hurts ends up three for seven. Um, so once again, if you just take the analytical look at it. And Which is why run, I never do it. I never the do numbers. it, Jody. Three of seven is below 50%. That looks bad. But truth be told, I thought he played pretty damn well. Two of the four incompletes were just blatant drops by his receivers. Zach Ertz dropped one. Rager dropped one. As other incomplete would have been the highlight of the game. And that's saying a lot when 
they, they go for a 79-yard touchdown by Quez Watkins. Oh, it could have been a 97, 98-yard touchdown. Yeah. Jalen Hurts from the back of his own end zone laid one out that he just overthrew a little bit to Watkins on a fly pattern. I thought it was a damn good pass. I know it goes down as an incomplete, and they end up having to uh, continue on from their own two-yard line. I'll take that because, you know, every once in a while, uh, Watkins is going to be able to run under one like that, or Nick is just going to leave a little bit more off the ball. It's going to be perfect, and it's going to hit him in stride. Uh, I thought his three of seven performance actually was pretty darn good. I would give him a solid B plus in the grade. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have seen him more. Um, that's maybe something we'll get into. I mean, come on, Nick. If you're going to treat him like the first-team quarterback, that's fine. Let's call him the first-team quarterback. Yeah. Let's call him the – he was out there for two series. As you mentioned, the numbers don't look great. I always say this is not a game of numbers. Uh, you mentioned the two drops, all of a sudden three of seven is five of seven. Uh, he had the opportunity for the big play to Quez. Um, he, he said after the game, he, you know, remember they were backed up. Uh, he said his first men, his first sentiment there, he can't take a safety no matter what. So he probably got the ball out a little bit too quickly uh, and they missed. And he said, we'll hit it. We'll hit it eventually. Uh, more, I like the sentiment, the mentality from Nick Sirianni as well to take a shot deep in your end zone. I think that says you trust your quarterback, number one. I think that gives your 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 play calling a little juice in the locker room. They like that kind of stuff. And, you know, they almost hit it. And, and we were talking a little bit before we went on here, Jody. Yeah, can you imagine if you put a 98 98- on a go route on top of 79 on a bubble screen, Quez Watkins would be the star of the toast of the city right now. Even, uh, even with the Phillies in a, in a playoff race, uh, fans would have went nuts. They should still be going nuts about Quez Watkins. And I've been saying it for a long time now. I mean, that guy, another thing with Nick Sirianni, if you talk about competition, let's put this guy in the competition because he's better than Travis Fulgham. He has been better. He has been surely better than Jalen Rager. And he has been better than your boy, Greg Ward. Let's get him out there. Let's get him out there. Now, Devontae Smith, obviously, we put to the side a little bit. But, you know, I'll also bring Andre Dillard. Because people have no problem ripping Andre Dillard to shreds. You like to laugh, chide me about, you know, saying they're going to give him a chance. Because Why? He's a former first-round pick. They're doing the same thing with Jalen Rager just a little bit sooner. Quest Watkins is outplaying him more than Jordan Mylott is outplaying uh, Andre Dillard, who's now hurt, so it doesn't even matter. So let's get him out there. I agree, and they did. He was out there early, and Devonta Smith being injured certainly had something to do Not with it. Not going to be out there week one, though, and I feel confident saying that even after watching what I saw last night, and I don't like it. Yeah, I'm not going to go there yet. Um, we don't know Nick Sirianni. We we believe we know Howie Roseman quite well. And we know that he likes to uh, justify the draft picks that he makes and uh, I'm sure has influences on the coach. But uh, Nick Sirianni did say last week, I'm going to play the guys who give me the best chance to win. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not predict- predicting Quez Watson gets every snap week one against the Falcons. I don't believe that. But... I don't think he's going to sit on the bench either. And I would not be surprised. And we make too big a deal of this. We do this in football. We do it in basketball, too. 
Uh, the only sport where it really matters is baseball. Who starts? Well, but guys come in and out of the game all the time. Yeah, no. Basketball, no, but yeah, it doesn't matter get it. who gets the first snap of the game. It's who no, plays I'm, the I'm more talking the about majority of reps. Majority of reps. I'm not talking about. You're right. I mean, being anointed, being out there for the first play. If you leave after, doesn't really matter. I'm talking about number of reps. Now, also, Quez has got a whole preseason to go through. There's no guarantee he's going to keep this up. I'm saying if he keeps it up, you can't keep him off the field. I would think that's going to be a tough sell for Nick Sirianni after the way he's talked. But he's got to finish the job. Quez Watkins has to finish the job as well. But right now, if you're taking a temperature uh, test, right now, today, whatever date we are, I get mixed up, Jody. Um, everything runs together this time of year. Right now, he's the second best receiver on this team. The first best is hurt. Uh, Darius Slice said it. He's the best corner on this team. Uh, Jalen Hurd said he's no longer a secret last night. His teammates seem to, seem to know it. Let's, you know, let's finish the job and let's give him an opportunity. But first yeah. and foremost, Quez has got to handle his business. And one thing I don't understand is uh, Darius Slay during the week called him Ugly Quez. He you got to see him with his helmet off last night. They had a couple yeah, of sideline shots. Looked like a pretty good-looking young man to me. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, ugly as the Slay, defensive Slay. back who's trying to chase him down. That's the only ugliness involved. Slay calls everybody ugly. It's not okay. big. He calls Greg Ward ugly. Uh, Greg's <laughs> a very attractive. Uh, Slay's got a... He calls everybody. Okay. That's a, that's a Darius Slay thing. Okay, fine. Um, which, by the way, uh, great play. And the uh, touchdown that Quez Watkins scored, and this is why stats can be so misleading, on the play that he scored the touchdown, if you had 100% of credit to give out, I would say Quez Watkins gets about, oh, 85 to 90% of it. His teammates. I, Richard, I wouldn't give him 85 to 90. I give really Richard. Why? I give Richard Rodgers. That's a four-yard gain if Richard Rodgers doesn't get out there and block. Also, Brett Toth uh, uh, had a great seal block. So those guys, and even Quez said it, all I had to do was run, and then the four-three-five speed takes over. But also there was a stealer. I forget who it was. He had an angle on Quez Watkins, and it just evaporated like it was Randy Moss. Um, he's got a lot of speed. Uh, but that was great execution. And by the way, it started with Joe Flacco, Nick Sirianni. Joe Flacco checked into that play. He saw what the Steelers were doing. So people are saying Joe Flacco shouldn't be the backup of this team. Joe Flacco looked good. He's checking in uh, out of bad plays into good plays. And all of a sudden, you got a 79-yard touchdown. So, yeah, that was a perfectly executed play from just about everybody, from the quarterback to the tight end to the left tackle, uh, to obviously Quez Watkins. Right. And the point I was trying to make was, I could have thrown that pass. You could have thrown that pass. It wasn't that difficult to pass. It was I a good call it. to go to the play, yes. but it was a relatively easy pass, and it goes down on uh, Joe Flacco's uh, balance sheet as a 79-yard touchdown pass. Well, a lot of people contributed to it, Quez the most, but the others with the very good blocks as well. Uh, and I, I I actually believe the pass out of the end zone by Jalen Hurts was a better pass. It goes down as an incomplete, 
uh, rather than the one that Flacco throws, which goes down as a 79-yard touchdown. That's why you can't learn everything off the stat sheet. No, but I will. I do want to say, you know, you and I might know to check, might not know to check into that play. That's number one. Number two, when you throw those bubble screens, they got to be, they got to be accurate because if they're not accurate, if the if the receiver has to reach for it, uh, play is probably going to lose its timing. So it's 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 a bigger throw than you think as far as the accuracy. I get what you're saying. I mean, it's not a 79-yard touchdown pass down the field, but it was still a really good play by Joe Flacco and Quez and Nick Sirianni more than Quez. Uh, Nick Sirianni mentioned, you know, that was a good job by Joe Flacco because Nick could have taken credit. He didn't take credit. And good for Nick. And, uh, oh, by the way, Joe Flacco, the unquestioned backup. He always has been. Nick Mullins had a couple nice days at practice. Flacco didn't have a couple uh, good days of practice. And certain Eagle Beat reporters were going, you know, uh, Nick mm. Mullins not might just one. be the number two quarterback of this not team. This uh, no, yeah, that's not – it was never going to be the case. And after last night's action, we know it's definitely not going to be the case. Um, I know this is putting the cart before the horse, but – are they guaranteed to keep three quarterbacks? You kind of got to keep three quarterbacks in the National Football League, don't you? Yeah, you do because of COVID, obviously. We've already seen it with, with the Vikings. We saw it last year with Denver. Their whole quarterback room got wiped out, uh, Denver, in the regular season, which is even uh, a bigger catastrophe. But the Vikings went like four days with one quarterback. They had to pick up guys off the street uh, just to run practice. Um, so yeah, you need that extra guy. Remember the Eagles kept Josh McCown until Houston signed him, uh, as, as sort of the first, um, uh, COVID away from the team player. They just stuck him down in Texas and said, Hey, Josh, just be ready. If we need you. Yeah. You're going to need a third quarterback. You know, the positive, the positive part of Nick Mullins performing so poorly, uh, if he continues to play that poorly, you can probably get him through waivers because it's pretty clear his arm strength isn't there coming back from elbow surgery. I mean, the one interception Adrian Killens, I didn't know if you could tell from television, but he he was open. Killens was open down the seam of the field, and th- the ball was late, number one, but also there was nothing on it. I mean, if that's a Brett Farbarm, I mean, that's a that's a that's an easy completion. But he's got nothing as far as far as arm strength. Now maybe, and I think the Eagles have to be hopeful as as he gets further off surgery, it returns. Remember that was never the strength of his game to begin with. But you got to get back to that average arm strength. And if it does that, he's a competent third string quarterback. But if he keeps playing this way in the preseason. The silver lining to that is you can get him through waivers and onto the practice squad. And the problem with that particular throw last night, as you mentioned, uh, it, it should have come out quicker and it should have come out stronger. He tried to throw it off his back foot. If you know you don't have the arm strength, you don't make that type of throw. You try and step into your throws and have your body give that weak arm a little bit of a helping hand. Nick Mullins yeah. didn't try that. And, of course, it gets picked off thereafter. All right, uh, we've got a guest coming up in just a couple of minutes. We're going to get our buddy Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice up here. He's uh, got some stuff to take care of this morning, so he's going to hop on for 15 or 20 minutes. One last question before you, before we take our first break and get uh, Jimmy up. 
your boy, Tyree Jackson. Uh, I had not seen him up close. Like they got a couple of close shots on the broadcast last night. I I know he's six foot seven. I know how big he is. But I remember him as Buffalo's quarterback. I watched him play a couple of games when he was in college. He's put on about 25 pounds of muscle from when he was a quarterback. And he looks like a legit tight end. He's got tight end girth, a tight end build. I thought he played well last night. There was one play uh, uh, they said on the broadcast that uh, the Fresh Mullins interception might have been his fault. He might not have turned around quickly enough for he didn't run a great route. And that's what you see. And I kind of been saying that you see the natural ability, but he's still very raw. And he had, you know, he had the drop early. Um, you saw all the good, all where Tyree Jackson is. You saw some of the good, you saw some of the bad. That was a bad route. That was a bad route that kind of left Nick Mullins hanging out to dry. It's a young player. You know, the problem now with the Eagles. Richard Rodgers was good, man. You can't you can't cut Richard Rodgers. Uh, he's just a good football player. I I know I, I'm being a little bit facetious. You can cut him. It's not going to be the end of the world. But I don't want to cut him. He just I I talked about that block. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, he deserves to make the football team. But if Zach Ertz is here, and it's looking more and more clear that Zach Ertz is probably going to be here. You got, obviously you got to keep him. You got to keep Dallas Goddard. Uh, you got to keep Richard Rodgers. You can't keep four tight ends. So then you got to risk getting Tyree Jackson through waivers. I don't know if he gets through waivers. The Eagles went through this last year with Noah Tagai. People forgot uh, forget about him. He was an undrafted rookie. They said, "Well, we'll get him through waivers." No, you didn't. Indianapolis picked him up. Somebody's going to pick this kid up if they try to get him through waivers. I don't, I don't know what you're going to do. And by the way, that reminds me, Eagles started out 12 personnel. Yes, they did start Two 12. That, that tells you that uh, I, that puts a smile on my face. Not because I got anything against <laughs> Eagle wide receivers or whatever, no, but I'm going to hold Nick Sirianni to I'm going to hold Nick Sirianni to his word that I'm going to play the players that give me the best chance to win, not where they were drafted or what it might make my general manager look better. I'm going to give the players who give me the best chance to win the the, the green light. And he did by starting in 12 personnel. And that's why McMullen and I are good because he answered my question without ever asking it. I was going to ask, does Tyree Jackson play too well that they could end up losing him because they're going to have to try and get him through waivers. Yeah. Very well be something they have to face coming up in the next couple of weeks. All right, coming up in the next couple of minutes, we're going to face off with Jimmy Kepsky from Philly Boyce. He's going to join us here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods. Woods. 
The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Day after, birds first. Preseason game to Sirianni's first game on the sideline for the Philadelphia Eagles. We are your Birds 365 guys, McMullen and McDonald, joined by our pal, a fellow Marlton Army guy, uh, Jimmy Kempsky from phillyvoice.com. J.K., what do you say after your first Eagle game of the year? Well, good morning, and my apologies for my appearance. I was trying to get my uh, nine-year-old daughter up and at him and off the iPad, so <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> we all we all know Daddy Duty. I'm thrilled <laughs> you got up early with us, Jimmy. Obviously, a long night for everybody, so... Uh, great to get you for a couple minutes. Read Jimmy, obviously, at phillyboys.com. And I did want to get you on. Uh, uh, I actually tried to get you on pregame because I want to talk about your annual media stock up, stock down. So we'll get into that. But I yeah. think we got to talk about Jalen Hurts. First off, I'll admit I, I had stock down on Jalen Hurts. I was one of the two voters who, who said that. I thought he looked good last night. I mean, the numbers weren't great, but you had the two drops. Yeah. You almost had the deep throw to Quez Watkins. I, I thought it was pretty effective. Your thoughts on Jalen? Yeah, the first drive he came out, he was, what, two for four? And, uh, uh, you know, the one was an obvious drop by Zach Ertz. The other throw to Rager, that Rager dropped. You know, it could have been a better throw, but Rager's got to make that catch. And then, as you mentioned, on the second drive, Quez got open, got behind the defense, and I thought that was a little bit of an off-target throw. Uh, Nick Sirianni even alluded to the fact that Quez gave uh, gave himself a lot of room in between uh, himself and the sideline. So I thought that ball needed to be a little further to the outside. Uh, I didn't really uh, mind the, the the overthrow aspect of it uh, so much because there was 
seemingly a little bit of a hold uh, on Quez Watkins on that play. So maybe you forgive that to some degree. But I think that's kind of like what we saw throughout uh, camp with Jalen Hurts is that he's kind of up and down where he's going to make plays with his athleticism that other quarterbacks can't make. However, there are quarterbacks that just don't miss that throw to Quez Watkins. And you look at what happened on that play. Uh, Nick Sirianni said there was only 10 players uh, on the field for the yeah. Steelers on that play. And yeah. they blitzed on that play. They sent six guys. And the offensive line did a beautiful job of blocking that up. He had a clean pocket. There were only four guys on the back end in coverage. And it's just it's just a play that you can't squander, in my opinion. And I think they did that uh, on that play. So, you know, there, there's some good, there's some bad. And I think that's probably what we're going to see over the duration of the season with Jalen Hurts. Question on uh, the amount that Jalen played, two series and out. Um, I understand you have all your plans going in and you want them to work to perfection. And then the game happens and things happen and you got to be able to adjust on the fly. I, I thought he was coming out for the third series. That was just my guess. It wasn't the way he decided to handle it. And Flacco went in and played well. So uh, if you're looking at the big picture, you can't second guess Sirianni. But I was a little surprised he only went two series with the way the two series went. How about you? It sort of mirrored what they've done throughout the throughout you know the first 11 practices of training camp where all the practices have been really <laughs> short and then beyond that they've barely had any um you know like physical uh sessions during practice like there hasn't been any tackling at the ground for example they've been limited in terms of the thud drills that they've done and the purpose behind that is to stay healthy so i think that was probably sort of the uh, impetus behind only getting uh two series with the ones on offense more, more specifically jalen hurts uh with the, with the first team offense and then the the, the first team defense they only played one series. Yeah. So uh, I think they're being overcautious. And I mean, we, we've seen how they've been decimated by injuries over the last few years. So I think priority one for this team this season uh, anyway, is to limit the number of injuries and they still have plenty of injuries as it is like they have like 15 yeah. guys that they listed on like as either limited day to day or week to week. I think there's six guys now that are listed as week to week currently. Uh, so they they haven't been able to eliminate that completely, but they don't want a repeat of what's been going on the last few years where, I mean, last year you look at like uh, that first game week one, I believe they were at without Lane Johnson, Miles Sanders, um, Derek Barnett, uh, Javon Hargrave. So you're looking at four significant starters that that you didn't have available and they lost that game, of course. So I think they're just trying to avoid that. Okay, here's my question about the playing time, Jimmy. Well, the two players. One starts with Jalen Hurts. It's fine. Everything you said makes perfect sense, but no other quarterback has even taken a first team rep. You know, yeah. Jalen hasn't lost his shoe, hasn't had an equipment problem. He's taken every <laughs> single first team rep. Uh, he plays two series in the opener and then he's out for good reason, as you pointed out. Why the heck can't we name him the starting quarterback? <laughs> right. And then Nick said everybody's healthy is going to play. And everybody who was healthy played at least for a series. Um, except Miles Sanders. Except Miles Sanders, yeah. Why 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 Miles Sanders? Why not Fletcher Cox or Lane jo or Brandon Brooks? I mean, Brandon even played. Yeah. Why not Miles why Miles Sanders? So Jalen Hurts, why not the starter? Why isn't Miles Sanders out there? It's a good question because you'd think that I mean I I understand the the purpose for keeping Miles Sanders out but if you're keeping him out then why not also the guys that you mentioned specifically Brandon Brooks I mean like he's actually been hurt hasn't yeah. practiced much uh, in in I think he what what he what he played like practicing one what was yeah. it just one and practice? it was limited yeah and so yeah like, I mean and, yeah. and you throw him right back into the game so 
Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. I, I don't know the logic behind that, and uh, we probably didn't do a good enough job pressing on that uh, on that during the uh, press conference last night. But he'll surely be asked about that going forward, I would imagine. But yeah, it's kind of, kind of a weird thing. I don't have an answer for it. I don't. I don't. I couldn't venture a guess on why Miles, but not the other guys. Um, I think one thing that maybe scared them off a little bit, maybe uh, in in terms of uh, getting Jalen out of there after Jalen Hurts, that is after um, uh, that second drive was there was one play where he scrambled and he didn't slide. And he was actually asked about that. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't and happy he though. argued that yeah. he did slide and whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> but uh, he did sort of put himself in danger and you don't want to lose him. Of course, like, you know, I think we're all in agreement that he's going to be sort of one of these lower tier starting quarterbacks NFL wide, but you don't want to lose him because you need to see what he has this season and whether he's going to be your guy in 2022 in 2022 and beyond. Again, uh, sometimes the numbers can uh, be misleading, uh, such as last night with Eagles getting a 79-yard touchdown. Yeah. Well, then that takes that many plays off the board that you're going to be able to do certain things and evaluate certain things. I didn't learn anything about the Eagles running game last night other than Miles Sanders didn't play. They didn't run the ball that much. Why? Because they had one play that took 79 yards, boom, and they were off the field. And oh, by the way, the Steelers had 28 first down. So they dominated time of possession. So we didn't get a chance to see much of the Eagle running game. You learn anything about the Eagle running game last night, Jimmy? Yeah, you're right. And on the on the point where they controlled time of possession, I think they held the ball for more than 41 minutes, which means by my math, trust me, this is correct. They Eagles held the ball for less than 19 minutes. <laughs> so like if you were looking for if like if you were if you're a big fan of the Eagles third team defense, then that was the game for you to watch. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm with you. Like you didn't learn much about the Eagles run game. I think that's actually been one of the biggest strengths of the offense uh, throughout training camp. Like it's hard to really judge the run game during these training camp practices because it's basically two hand touch, but it does seem like there have been plenty of times where the offensive line has opened up big gaping holes and running backs have had wide lanes to run through. So I think that's maybe something that they felt they, you know, is, is, something that they're that they're hitting on well during practice whereas other areas maybe needed more improvement during uh, these preseason games that that's the only guess that I have and again Miles Sanders didn't play so uh you know when you have Jordan Howard starting um I don't know if there's maybe yeah. a lot of value in in uh seeing what your offense looks like with with him as your running back but uh but yeah it, it, I, I I do think that that there you know maybe may have been some value in seeing what the run game looks like especially because if the Eagles, and by the Eagles, I mean like Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Rosen, if they let Nick Sirianni run whatever offense he wants to run, I think it makes a lot of sense for the way that this roster is constructed to run sort of a scheme that mirrors what Baltimore is doing with Lamar Jackson. So uh, it makes a lot of sense to me to be a run-heavy kind of team when you have guys like Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders and the offensive line and the run-blocking prowess that they have to run that kind of offense. So, uh, yeah, maybe a little surprising that we didn't see more of that in the first preseason game. All right. Uh, I'm going to throw out my theory, and I want to hear your thoughts on that. Nick, before the game, the last time we got him mentioned, I think I have an advantage going early in the season. Nobody knows what right. we're going to run. He admitted he's going to be very vanilla. Yeah. They know Jalen Hurts can run the football. RPOs, I think that's going to be a big part of this offense. He needs to work on throwing from the pocket. Yeah. You think they just said, let's see what Jalen could do from the pocket and we'll keep that stuff in our back pocket. 
Yeah, I feel like that was a theme across the board. Like defensively, it was very vanilla too. Like we've seen in training camp practices that, you know, Jonathan Gannon has used a lot of different uh, schematic looks yeah. and a lot of different personnel packages. And we didn't see any of that in the game. Uh, so I think they're trying to keep what they're doing close to the vest, which makes sense. I mean, you don't want to give anything away uh, in these in these preseason games when there is some sort of schematic mystery of what you're going to look like uh, on week one. And then also, I think the vanilla looks both offensively and defensively can give you a good idea of who can play, like who can just go out and make a play on, you know, just basic vanilla offensive and defensive play calls. And um, I mean, I think in the second half, they found out that there weren't a lot of guys that, that, that can play, but uh, as Nick said, um, you know, during his press conference, and I agree with this, I thought they looked crisp uh, in the first half and, and certainly sloppy uh, in the second half. Talking about a guy who could just go out and make a play. How about Ty McGill? We've yeah. all heard the yeah. phrase, push the pocket. He pushed the pocket directly backwards for eight yards, right into the quarterback's face. I know that Quez had a 79-yard touchdown, but I thought McGill's play might have been the best play on the entire game. Yeah, he's had a good camp. And the the argument against keeping him is, I think he's like 28 years old. He's been in, he's kind of bounced around the league, uh, sort of been like a fringe roster kind of player. He's been on the Eagles roster a few different times, but he's had a great camp. And uh, yeah, I think he, on the second team, um, you know, did, did a nice job uh, pushing the pocket. And then I think he's he's been disruptive uh, throughout training camp. So, yeah, he's a guy that that I personally – so, like, I, I published uh, another, like, 53-man roster projection, and I have him on it. So uh, he would be sort of a uh, sort of a, a surprise, uh, you know, guy to make the team, at least in terms of, you know, where we were before camp started uh, and where we might be when they finally cut down. But, um, yeah, they, they have to be careful about losing him maybe because if they do – cut him at 53 men uh, at, at, at the final cutdowns. You know, he could wind up somewhere else potentially. So uh, it, is he going to show enough over these next two preseason games that uh, he can completely lock down that, that, that roster spot? Yeah, another player offensively, and I want to bring in your your stock up, stock down mm-hmm. media poll with this too, because Tyree Jackson, you know, yeah. Richard Rogers showed up in a big way with that block on the Quez Watkins touchdown. Yes, all of a sudden, you saw the good and the bad of Tyree Jackson. A bad route on the Nick Mullins interception had the drop. But you also saw some of the good. But you can't keep four tight ends. I mean, sometimes, you know, Doug Peterson kept two for two yeah. consecutive years. Um, a, I want to how, – how did we do in stock up, stock down, the media poll? And, and B, same thing with Tyree Jackson. Can you get him on this team or is it just – about Zach Ertz and a PC or not. I still think they're probably going to trade Zach Ertz before the start of the season. So, I mean, obviously that's not uh, as uh, nobody feels as strongly about that as we did a few months ago, yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but he, he could certainly not be here. And if he's not here, then it's easy to get him on. I will note quickly that, um, you know, the Colts kept four tight ends last year. And of course that's where Nick Sirianni is coming from. One of them was Noah to guy who, yeah. <laughs> right. Who they to they pushed from the Eagles. Yeah. Also worth noting that Nick Sirianni isn't going to be picking the groceries for the fi- final 53. It's going to be yes. Harry Roseman that's, that's going to be yes. formulating the final 53 mas- man roster. So we'll see. I think Tyree Jackson has done enough where you can't risk losing him. He's too uh, intriguing of a player. I don't think maybe this year is the year where he's going to be, you know, giving you a lot of production at that at that spot, but you keep him, you develop him, you turn him into a better better route runner. But from what I've seen from him, just his his size, his athleticism, 
and he's surprised me with the way he's caught the football. He's looked natural catching the football. Uh, so I think he's a guy that's worth developing over time. You don't want to lose him. As far as the uh, stock up, stock down media poll, uh, of course, you participated in that. I asked 25 different uh, reporters to give me one guy whose stock is up since the, since the beginning of training camp and one guy whose stock is down. Quez Watkins actually led that group with, uh, with I, I believe it was seven votes out of 25. And, of course, we all saw uh, during the game what, what we've been sort of seeing throughout training camp where, uh, you know, he's just explosive. We all saw the screen pass where he took it. And, ju- I mean, poor 21 on, on, on the Steelers. Like, yeah, he, he had the he, angle. And it was just, boom. <laughs> Quez might have gotten that poor guy cut. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he looked explosive on that play, and then on the play where he got behind the defense. This, to my surprise, he was actually the first team kick returner as well. So he did well. Tyree Jackson got some votes. Um, uh, Josh Sweat, who's had a really strong camp, got some votes on the stock downside. Uh, you mentioned that that you had uh, Jalen Hurts. Somebody else voted for him as well. Jalen Rager got some votes. I believe he had four. But the guy who really ran away with that with yeah, that competition Andre. was yeah. Andre Dillard, who had 12 votes. And in fact, there were some writers that said, well, I didn't have high expectations for him to begin with. <laughs> so he's his stock really isn't down yeah. for me, despite yeah. how bad he's been. And he still wind up wound up getting about half the votes anyway. By the way, back to back first round picks, Jimmy, yeah. leading <laughs> yeah. the stock down. That is not good. <laughs> not good. Agreed. All right, Jimmy, uh, before you came on, John and I were talking about uh, Quez Watkins and how much he moves up the depth chart because of what he did last night. Mm-hmm. And I noted yeah, starting doesn't matter. You, you play the first play and then you come out. Who cares whether you start or not? It's how many, what percentage of the right. reps you get. Um, but sometimes starting does mean something. Sua Opetis started last night right. when uh, Isaac Samalo did not. He was the only uh, offensive line starter who did not play last night. What do we read into Opetis getting the start? So I think that's just a matter of um, normally in a in a game situation, Nate Herbig would would have started uh, over Suo Opeta at left guard um, with with Isaac Samalo out, of course. So Samalo is your starter at left guard. Um, if he's out, then Nate Herbig I think is the first guy in. But they wanted to get Nate probably some reps at center with the second team because they need. I, I think the the off or the, the Eagles already know what they have in in Herbig at guard. He played. I think in all 16 games, he started like, yeah. I want to say like 13 of them or something like that or 12 or whatever, but he had plenty of, uh, I think he actually had more snaps than any other offensive lineman last season. So um, yeah, they know what he can do already at the guard spot. They want to get him more reps uh, in game situations at center uh, because you don't want to have to waste a, a roster spot on a, you know, like a center only like a Luke Jariga, for example, who you can probably stash on the practice squad anyway. So I think it was more just a matter of they wanted to get Herbig some extra snaps at center. And uh, Sewell was just kind of the next, Sewell Petta was kind of just the next guy up at left guard. And interestingly, uh, you know, as John mentioned earlier, Brandon Brooks played. So like, you know, previously Matt Pryor was getting those reps at yeah. right guard. Whereas I, I think that he's probably, um, I don't want to call him a long shot to make the roster, but his roster spot is, is uh, certainly in peril. Jimmy, last one from me. I know you got a run. Alex Singleton on defense. I mean, just so active. Yeah. Is is he the most underrated player on this team? He's he just could a be. good football player. Yeah, he could. I mean, you look at his – he led the team in tackles last year, and he was like – he was near the – I think he was just outside the top 10 NFL wide in tackles last year. And he didn't barely – he barely played in the first five games yeah. of the season. Like, if, yeah. he, if he had been a three-down linebacker for those first five games of the season, he might have led the NFL in tackles, which – and a lot of that is a result of – you know, 
typically the guy who leads the league in tackles plays for a bad team because he just has more opportunity because their defense is on the field yeah. a ton. He has a lot of opportunities to make the tackles. But when you just look at the at the linebacker position in general, I think that's really improved from last year to this year. Like Eric Wilson, I think, is a legitimate competent starting linebacker uh put him next to alex singleton you got something there and uh tj edwards in my opinion is a is 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 a nice role player on rundowns and then we'll see if they get anything out of these younger guys like davion taylor who's now hurt uh sean bradley who's who's um uh, it seems to have slid down the depth chart a little bit yeah i don't think he played well or rashad rashad smith when pittsburgh started running the football in the second half is pretty much Bradley and Smith. Yeah. So I wasn't yeah. I wasn't thrilled with that performance. All right, then, last one last one for me, yeah. Jimmy, and then we'll let you run. Thank you again for coming on with us. What does last night's performance do for Jake Elliott's confidence? Yeah, Jake had a rough first practice when he kicked. He missed uh, two out of his out of, out of six field goals. One of them was from, from like 33, and he almost missed another one from 38. So he had a rough start to camp. And then in, in his next two kicking sessions during practice, he went six for six and six for six. So he's been 12 for his last 12 in practice. And then in the game last night, he hits from 47, 47, and 50. And he made his... He made Extra a PAT. Yeah. So, uh, that? 33. So good, things, <laughs> good things all around for, for uh, Jake Elliott last night. And actually, he was the first guy that the Eagles gave us in a in our uh, interview session. Yeah, that was game. weird. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's uh, a season for Jake Elliott where he needs to bounce back because he had his worst season as a pro last year. And uh, they can't – like this year, he's going to be their kicker. Like they weren't going to bring in competition because it would have cost more to cut him than it would have to keep him. So he's their kicker this year. But he's got to have a bounce-back season in order to remain their kicker in 2022 and beyond. Jimmy, know you got uh, stuff to get to. We appreciate you hopping on board with us. You know we're going to tap into you plenty. Thanks, bud. All right, guys. Take care. Jim Chemsky from uh, phillyvoice.com. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to get the Jake Elliott question in before we got out of there, because a couple things come off that, John. Yeah, uh, Jake was one, great, by the way. Jake was great. Yeah, he was uh, – are you talking about in his interview or his performance on the field? No, his performance on the field. I mean, 47, 47, and 50, those are not gimmies. Now, I, I think his worst kick was the PAT. It was a little – you know, we're from the side. We don't get a great look at it. But it looked like it came off a little bit bad from our perspective. Uh, you probably got a better view of it. Uh, but the field goals, they were rock solid. Uh, agreed. And as Jimmy rightfully noted, it was his worst season since he made it into oh, the yeah. NFL last year. Uh, pretty damn shaky. And you and I have noted here on Birds 365, a little surprised they didn't even bring in any kicking competition for him. That's a judgment call by the coaching staff. Sometimes a guy gets competition, it raises his level. Sometimes a guy's given competition it gets inside his head and it bothers him and the like. They chose not to bring in any competition. And, and Jimmy just ran down the numbers for you. To this point, so far so good with Jake Elliott, which is good. The other thing I wanted to uh, note with that and get your take on this, John, is either one of those, well, at least two out of the three, where uh, they decided to go for the field goal, you could at least think about going for it on fourth down. If the previous coach was still coaching this team, we might have thought about it even more because Doug had a propensity for taking shots on fourth down. And we're learning about what Nick Sirianni is going to be. I wouldn't put wholly too much stock into what he does in his first ever preseason game that he coached. But a trend is a trend is a trend. 
I don't think he was showing lack of confidence in his offense. I think he was trying to show confidence in his kicker, that we believe that our kicker is going to be able to go out there and hit 45-plus yard field goals for him when we need him during the year. Boom, let's get him out there and prove that to everybody. Most importantly, himself to build up his confidence and three through the uh, middle of the uprights. That's a very good thing if you're an Eagle fan. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just about reps. And you were in that situation. You don't have to worry about in the preseason. Am I going to go for it? Am I going to push the envelope? You're not trying to win the game. You want to give Jake Elliott, sorry, right, this is a situation. Go out there, kick the field goal. Let's see where you are. Same thing with Jalen Hurts. We talked about with the lack of a running game, not not ingratiating that. The Eagles wanted to look at him as a thrower. The Eagles aren't trying to win the game. They're trying to evaluate uh, players, trying to get players on the right track. I think it had more to do about that. And you come down to whatever it was, fourth and whatever. Okay, send the kicker. Well, let's get Rick Lovato. It's not only Jake Elliott. Aaron Sipos, who, by the way, had a big day. Um uh, as the holder, remember, he's also the holder, and this is new, so you want to get that battery up to speed. I don't think it has anything to do about, you know, his thought process on whether he's going to go for it versus not the regular season. I don't expect him to be quite as aggressive as Doug Peterson, but not because of last night. I just think it's a natural, okay, let's do this. Let's evaluate this. It's It's an obvious opportunity to do that. Now, if it gets later and they want to look at, you know, okay, generally you want to keep, we just talked about keeping plays in your back pocket. If you got a good play on fourth and one, fourth and two, you don't want to show it to anybody. Atlanta had their uh, pro personnel scout there. There are about 10 different scouts there. I put it out on Twitter of the teams uh, who were there looking at uh, not only the Eagles, but also the Steelers and obviously players. Because they want to look at when guys hit the waiver wire. You know how this works, Jody. Yep. Everybody's watching. So last thing you want to do is put, roll out your best fourth and two play in, in a meaningless week one preseason game. So I don't think it had anything to do about, you know, deciding to go for it or versus deciding not to go for it. Understood. Uh, one thing you did say there, uh, big night for Aaron Seapost. How yeah. about the Eagles' new punter, who also, yeah. much like at the field goal position, uh, the kickoff position, kicker position, no competition that we've also quite yeah. Really? You're not going to bring another putter to compete against him? Again, that's yeah. the coaching staff's judgment, well, at least for one night, and uh, there, there's no planning. Just go out there and make the best punt possible when it's your job, Aaron. He did just that. He was uh, pretty damn impressive in his Eagle debut. Yeah, he was, um, and it, and that was good. Jim explained why they didn't bring in competition with Jake Elliott. That didn't surprise me at all because they weren't getting rid of Jake Elliott. But Aaron Sipos, it surprised me because he's never punted in an NFL game. It doesn't hurt to have another punter in and have them compete sort of mano a mano next to each other. It's easy to say, yes, he's competing with the rest of the league if he performs poorly, but that's not the same as having another guy there every single day who's kind of pushing you. So him as an unproven player that doesn't have a big contract for his position, uh, it would have made sense to bring in competition. But it's working out. He performed very well. It's pretty clear he's going to be the punter of this team. And we'll see how it works out long term. But the Eagles have gone this route with the Australian sort of punter that's become in vogue. We just had Cam Johnson. We have Sab Rocca. Now we're going to have Aaron Sipas. And uh, the only thing I 
uh, don't know about Aaron is where he lives because, uh, uh, oh, man, uh, you just who is the uh, Eagles punter from a couple of years ago? You just mentioned him, Sab, I'm, Sab Rocca. Sab Rocca lived right down the block for me. Oh, did he? <laughs> he was in my yeah. development over here yeah. in Malton. Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah. we haven't had an Eagle punter move into the neighborhood in a it's while. Nice to Aaron. hear the Aussie accent, by the way. When yes, Jordan, uh, we got Jordan, uh, who, by the way, I. I for some reason people didn't know he was a great singer. I I've said that numerous times. That's not the first time he's been videoed. He's a tremendous, tremendous singer. Uh, but yeah, he's got the Aussie accent. Obviously, now we got two. It's always good to hear. My daughter always liked going to Sab's house for uh, trick or treat because uh, wow, good enjoyed... stuff. Yes, got uh, the, the the king size. Oh yeah, it, it didn't skimp. Uh, yeah. I know punters don't make quarterback money, but they make good money just the same. He was yeah. a good stop on the trick-or-treat route uh, was Sav Rocca's house. All right, uh, a couple more questions for you, Johnny. And uh, next hour, we're going to have Michael K from NJ.com, uh, Eagle Beat guy, hop aboard with us. Um, Blake Countess, how about just showing up and throwing yeah. him into the deep end yeah. of the pool? How many snaps did he get last night? And I know well, we can say yeah. he's been here before. But this is a whole yeah. new defense. This isn't Jim Johnson's defense anymore. We assume there are differences in the defense just because it's an eagle uniform he's wearing. He's thrown into a brand new defense, matter of days. And then what did he get? About 50 snaps last night? At least it seemed like that. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, that second half was not a good one, especially for the Eagles run game. And poor, you know, play the, the linebackers really played poorly. Uh, Sean Bradley, I thought I mentioned with Jimmy Rashad Smith, uh, they did not play well when it came to stopping the run. So, you know, poor Blake Countess is back there on the, the back end. And all of a sudden he's got running backs running up uh, and he, let's see, finished with seven tackles. Uh, yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah. And, it, and nobody, you know, no way he got into the game till the second half when yeah. you're making seven tackles and you're only playing a half. That's yeah. a pretty bad sign for a safety to be your leading tackler <laughs> in the yeah. second half when he's only playing a half. Poor, poor Blake was, uh, yeah, he was the last line of defense. He's been here so many times, you know. He knows, <laughs> he knows the drill. Unfortunately, you know, that's the bad part of the NFL. You bring in guys; they're called camp bodies. I mean, they don't have a chance to make the football team. Unfortunately, Blake's in that category. Uh, that's why he's here, though, to bring some kind of credibility to the back. They needed a body. Um, and unfortunately, Blake Countess probably got a few bruises last night. All right. Neither one of you or I have been able to watch the coaches' tape. Not that we're going to watch the coaches' tape, <laughs> but we surely haven't watched since last night. Um, two wide receivers. And we know Quez got all the attention, as well he should, because he made two, he made one mega play and he just missed. One other mega play. So he's going to grab the attention of all the fans. Um, my guy, Greg Ward, was not targeted last night. Don't know. Well, how there was Travis, I don't think. Either was Travis That's That was the next thing I was going yeah. to get to. Two guys who you can consider in the top four. It, last night should have been top three with Devonta Smith not even playing. If you looked at the top four wide receivers coming in, it would have been um, – Certainly Devonta Smith, Rager, Fulgham, and Ward. Uh, Ward, of course, the Eagles' leading wide re leading receiver last year, um, leading wide receiver. Didn't get a target. Fulgham didn't get a target. 
just happenstance, uh, wasn't there when their number was called, when they were out there, uh, read too much into it, read nothing into it, read everything into it. Uh, two guys who were key receivers at times for the Eagles last year didn't even get one ball thrown their way. What do you make? Well, I mean, it was just happenstance. I mean, you know, they didn't play a whole ton. Uh, uh, Jalen Rager played more, probably had to play more for a couple of reasons. One, obviously he failed his conditioning test at the beginning of camp. So he's still trying to get back. I, I would assume to where they want him to be. And also from a, just developmental standpoint, he needed uh, more reps. I think it's a good sign in a lot of ways that they default to Travis Fulgham and and Greg Ward, and they say, okay, we know what these guys are. We know they're going to be part of our process. Um, yeah, I, I, from their standpoint, they have nothing to worry about. Um, you know, my issue is I want to get better from those guys, and I know take issue with me with with Greg specifically but I say both of them I want to I want to do better than both of those guys and that was the hope with Devontae Smith and and Jalen Rager now we can throw Quez Watkins into that conversation at least now again he's got to as I said before he's got to finish the job he's got to continue to play well uh but I want him on the field because of his speed if he if he you, you, if you can get him on the field. Now, if he falls on his face and he stops and he, and he starts running bad routes and he starts dropping footballs and he doesn't block, you can't put him on the field. But I want that athleticism on the field, and I think they should at least, you know, look into it a little bit more deeply, and I think they will the rest of this summer. We are the Birds 365 guys, Mac and Mac, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, as I mentioned, Michael K from NJ.com is going to uh, join us in hour number two. Take a quickie time out here. Continue breaking down the Eagles. First preseason game of the year. Yes, a loss to the Steelers, but a lot of things that you can uh, get quasi excited about, about the Birds. We'll continue to do it right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. 
The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are the Mag and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Joe McDonald with my partner, John McMullen. Uh, after an Eagles 24-16 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but in case you're just tuning in, both Joe, Johnny and I said at the top, passing grade for the Eagles. Not a bad effort. Uh, certainly they won the first half, which is when the uh, first teams were playing, albeit the uh, majority of the first teams came out uh, midway through the first quarter on both sides. A couple of Steelers, big-time players like uh, Ben Roethlisberger, T.J. Watt didn't even play at all. Uh, so you have to take it all with a grain of salt and break down the importance of the level. Yes, it's not just all about the starters. You need to have depth. You need to have guys to come in and make plays for you. So you evaluate the whole game. I think the Eagles come away with it from okay. I think the Steelers come away from it okay. Um, one of the things I question coming away from it is the 53-man roster. And I know the next question I asked to John is going to be unfair because we got two more weeks of games to go and that many more practices and evaluations can change. But I'm going to ask him to step into the shoes of the important decision makers of the Philadelphia Eagles. I should right be now. in those shoes, Jody. I should be in those shoes. I don't uh, doubt you, my friend. I enjoy. I, uh, I appreciate joking. your confidence here. All right, Mr. General Manager. Um, you've got 52 men protected, okay? You've already got... Uh, Greg Ward, Travis Fulgham, uh, Devontae Smith, uh, certainly Quez Watkins and Jalen Rager as five wide receivers on your 52-man roster. You've got three tight ends. You've got Zach Ertz still here, hasn't been traded, uh, Dallas Goddard and Richard Rodgers, who's playing well. And you got to pick your 53rd guy. And you've got your choice of Tyreek Jackson as a fourth tight end, which is a stretch. Or J.J. Arcega Whiteside or Hightower. You've got a couple of wide receivers to choose from. You got five wide, probably going to go six, but you don't have to if you're going to go heavy on tight end. We talk all the time about being in 12 and got to get faster. 
Well, Tyreek Jackson is a much better player than J.J.R. Sega-Whiteside. If Tyreek Jackson is a much better player than John Hightower, how do you not keep a guy like that? All right, Mr. GM, who's your call for your 53rd man on your roster? Well, a couple things. I think Jimmy kind of addressed this and took the back door. I think that's the easiest way in that if Zach Ertz obviously is traded, and that's still a possibility, I think it makes it a lot easier and then it's just, you know, Tyreek is on the team. Um, if you're, if it's going to frame up, first of all, John Hightower is not even in the conversation. Um, okay. So it, to me, it comes down to Tyree Jackson as a fourth tight end or J.J. Ortega-Whiteside as a sixth receiver. And I agree with you. I mean, J.J. is not going to be here long term. You're just keeping him the safe face. He's not a good special teams player. Typically, if you're going to keep a sixth receiver, that guy's got to be. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know, Matthew Slater on special teams, uh, Don Beebe on special teams. That That's not J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. So I, I would keep Jackson, who's going to be here and has the potential. And granted, it's very raw, just like Jordan Mailata, though, at the beginning of his career. Now everybody loves Jordan. This guy's got the potential to be a big-time player. I don't see that from J.J., and, again, he's not going to help you. Why are you keeping a six receiver other than to satiate the ego of the general manager? And I'm the general manager here. Yep. I don't have a big ego. So I'm, I'm keeping Tyreek Jackson. You would be smart, Mr. General Manager, and I agree with that. And here's one of the, the things that I don't understand. Maybe you can uh, school me, Mr. GM. Um, if you're making a call between Tyreek Jackson – who you signed as a uh, unrestricted free, uh, just off the street free agent, undrafted free agent. That's the word I was looking for, undrafted. Um, and a second round draft pick in J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Does it look bad when J.J.'s out of the league as quickly as he does, as he would be? Yeah, it does. Of course it does. But do you not <laughs> look smart for having been the guy who signed Tyree Jackson when he was out there and every team in the National Football League got a shot at him and you were the one who signed him and convinced him to come to your camp and you told him we can make you into a tight end and you do that and he successfully makes your team. Doesn't that balance the criticism you get for overreaching for a guy like Arcega Whiteside? I'm not saying no. you shouldn't critique the general manager for picking a wide receiver and watching him go by the board that fast. But then don't you have to give him credit on the other side for the guys that he does gold mine find to add to the team and then potentially have them step in and play like a Jordan Mylotta at left tackle? No. Uh, unfortunately for GMs, it, because I've heard the same argument with, with Dillard versus Mylotta, and they say, yeah. well, he's a seventh-round pick, and he found him, and he created him from nothing. You know how people are with first-round picks in this league and, and premium picks. That's all they grade general managers on. you got to hit on those premium picks, and that's why they are the way they are. And it's not just Howie Roseman. It's everybody. When you miss on those top-tier picks, people never forget 
They always bring it up. They say, oh, remember, blah, blah, blah. you know, the, the greatest undrafted free agent I ever got a, an opportunity to cover was John Randall, who's in the Hall of Fame now. He didn't get drafted when the draft was 12 rounds, was 12 rounds. I think it was Jeff Diamond at the time was the GM. So they found this guy from, I mean, we have seven rounds out, 12 rounds, Jody, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Eh, nobody cares. Nobody cares. You got what you do with your first round pick. And and right now, Howard Roseman, I, I mentioned with Jimmy a little while ago, you know, his stock down, you know, number one, Andre Dillard. Number two, Jalen Rager. That doesn't look good. Then you add in J.J. Ortega-Whiteside as a second-round pick. That doesn't look good. I We all – you, you know, you're shaking your head. Of you course do, I'm shaking my head. But let me finish my thought. You do the same thing with Derek Barnett. I say Derek Barnett is a good football player, but you think he isn't because why? Because he was a first-round pick. It works, but everybody does it, Jody. You do it, and you don't even realize you're doing it. People value premium picks in this league. GMs know it. If they miss on premium picks, Howie's got a better situation than most. But if you miss on too many premium picks, doesn't matter how many fourth and fifth and sixth rounders you hit on, you're out the door. That's why the way they act the way they are. I'm not even saying it's right. I'm just saying it's reality. That's all I'm saying is it's not right. Your job is to field a winning football team, to get talented football players onto your football team. If you do so in a first round, second round, third round pick, that's I'm good. If you, if you miss on those, but you have other players who step in and get the job done that you picked in the fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, and or picked up off the scrap heap an undrafted free agent, that balances the scales for me. All right, yeah, you screwed up the second-round pick. You took J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. The kid's not an NFL wide receiver. As long as you get Quez Watkins in the sixth round, that balances the mistake you've made with yeah. uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside in the second round. For a GM, it doesn't. We're, we're, we're talking. I mean, I'm saying Quez Watkins. Why isn't Quez Watkins a starting receiver on this team right now? There's only one reason, Jody. Literally, only one reason. Because he's a six-round pick and he wasn't supposed to be. That's it. That's the only reason. That's the, Otherwise, Jalen Rager would be chasing him and trying to usurp him. The only reason he is not a starting receiver on this team, which can't find a receiver to save its life, is because he was a six-round pick. The only reason. Well, we'll give Nick Sirianni the uh, ability to throw him out there and have him play as many snaps in week number one as Jalen Reagan if he continues to do it for two straight weeks. And, oh, by the way, Quez Watkins was here all night. Quez Watkins isn't a rookie. Quez Watkins didn't just show up. We're we're judging Tyree Jackson. He's been an eagle for all of 20-some-odd days. I know he's under contract, but until they actually showed up at camp this year, it was the first time Tyreek Jackson actually ever, for me, I don't even count those 
uh, uh, non-mandatory workouts that they have back in the spring. They, they, good for you guys that you did that. No, until camp opened up, then you officially became an Eagle. So he's been an Eagle for less than a month. Jalen Watkins has been an Eagle for a year and a month. There's a difference. Um, and he still needs to do more. It's nice that he's had 11 good oh, practices. I agree, he had a good I'm game saying, last night. But, but I, it doesn't but mean that he's going to be. Comparing. Look who we're comparing him to. The guy we're comparing him to, who was the projected starter, has done less, really. I mean, he played more as a rookie, but he played so poorly. And then you move forward to this season, it has continued whereas Quez Watkins has upped his game. Now, granted, I said in the first hour of the show, he's got to continue. He's got to finish the job. There's no guarantee he doesn't turn into, you know, uh, at 12 o'clock in the pumpkin and everything like that. There's no guarantee he continue. Maybe he shows up and he looks like a six-round pick. I'm not saying it's a given. I'm saying right now, as we sit here today, he has performed better than the first-round pick, but it, you know, that those those stamps mean something in this league and pedigree means something in this league. Again, it might not be right, but it's reality. Yeah. Um, Quez Watkins needs to needs to continue to do it. He had a hundred and five yards. Uh, well, he barely played because he was a six round pick. And I said, well, he shouldn't be playing. That when he got okay, in there, but you, you were there at camp last year, right? You, you attended all Eagles practices yeah. in camp last year. Did Quez Watkins show up and show out last year at camp like he has this year? Yeah, he did not. He also didn't have the opportunity because he was a six-round pick. He's taking third-team reps. Uh, John well, then, Hightower. Then John they, Hightower was, was he getting of, that much? Was he getting that much more of an opportunity in practice this year? Was that oh, a Doug yeah. Peterson problem? No, no, because well, why didn't it, Doug give him the chance to get the uh, well to, it, to show up in practice last year? No, the comparison there would be Jacoby Stevens before he got hurt. Was Jacoby Stevens getting an opportunity? No, no, he's a six round pick, he's got an opportunity to make the team, but no, he wasn't well, getting Wes Watkins is still a six round pick this year. Why is he getting that much more of an because opportunity? Now, in because practice now he's a, as because, compared to last year, because now he's a veteran. Now he's been here for years. Now he's got his feet under the ground. Not years, one, John. Also, but still, there's a big thing. He said years. Years is plural. That's two. No, he's only been here one year. You can play the semantics game, Jody. You know what I mean. He's been here a year. This team needs help at wide receiver. The guys with the pedigree have not produced. Jalen Rager was supposed to produce. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was supposed to produce. They haven't produced. Now, Jalen, you can't write Jalen off after a year. I'm not trying to write him off. Um, It's a little bit easier to write J.J. off at this point. He barely played last night. Uh, It's only one more year if you want to go semantics. Technically, you could argue, as Jimmy Kemsky has him on the roster, you know, maybe they'll default to him again on on his 53-man roster. Pedigree means something. I can't believe you're you're shocked by this. You know it means something. You've been covering this league for a long time. You know these guys get the benefit of the doubt. You know you're up against it as a six-round pick. We got Mr. Competition here. Jacoby Stevens is his six-round pick. He's got no chance to be a starting linebacker. None. 
even if he outplays, he's not going to play outplay Alex Singleton and Eric Wilson. But even if by a miraculous somehow, you know, work of God, he did, he's not going to get an opportunity. He's stuck on the third team. That's just the way of the NFL. Right. But Jordan, my lot is going to be the starting left tackle. And he was seven. Well, that did take years. That took years. He was a developmental project that took years. And now he's ready to potentially take over at left tackle of this team. And hopefully he succeeds. But it didn't happen overnight. But Jeff Stoutland, I can tell you, he said it straight to my face last year. He had no stinking idea how Jordan Mailata. He had to be forced to play Jordan Mailata. He didn't want to play Jordan Mailata. And then he showed up, he's forced into the lineup, and he does something with it. And sometimes, you know, agents say this all the time. Some GMs say it all the time. There are guys all over this league that can play, but they never get the opportunity. And why don't they get the opportunity? Because of pedigree, because of where they started. That's just the way this industry is. Right. And I'm I'm not saying that it's fair, but you got to know that coming in. If you're Quez Watkins and you get drafted in the sixth round the way you do, well, then you know your your window, your opening is going Very to be small. that much smaller than a guy who's taken in the second round or the first round. And it's not fair. It just isn't. Two guys show up. They both put on the jersey. They're both signed to contracts with that organization. Made the best man win. They should get the same shot. They should be evaluated the same way. We know that's not the case. But if you're the sixth-round pick, you got to know that your chance, your moment in the sunshine is quicker than the guy you're competing against. And you need to make the most of it. If you are a first-round pick, with more guaranteed money attached to your contract. Yeah, you're going to get a little bit more of an opportunity. You're going to get to drop a couple of balls. You're going to get to make a mistake or two. The guys who were drafted later and or undrafted know that they have to do it on a very shorter lease than a guy who was drafted higher, but at least you got that lease. Make the most of it, and Quez Watkins is doing right that right now. And, yeah, I think that the, the new head coach is going to give him a chance to actually play more snaps than his higher-drafted teammate? Um, I hope so. I think he'll get the opportunity to play more snaps than uh, Travis and Greg, but I do not think he will be given the opportunity, barring injury, of course. We we always have to throw that caveat in there. They're playing Jalen Rager. I mean, they're just – they're playing him. I, I mean – I guess he can play so poorly that he could get benched, you know, for a couple, three, four weeks in. If he just completely, you know, what's the bed. But, I mean, he's he's getting the opportunity early in the season. I mean, mm-hmm. period, punctuation, end of sentence. He's playing. And he's got to play himself off the field. Mm-hmm. Off the field. And last night, he didn't do anything to play himself on the field with a big drop. Uh, Didn't help his quarterback, who only got seven throws in, less than half of which were caught. One of which could have been caught by Jalen Rager. He didn't help himself last night. I'll give you an example with that, Jody. They're already making excuses for him. They said, yeah, but he bounced back with Joe Flacco in there. He caught two passes. You're right. It's not impressive. Hasn't been impressive at practice. I'm with you. But I'm telling you, he's playing. He's playing. Damn it. He's playing. 
And okay. I, you know, clip this tape, Xander, because week one, he's playing barring injury. Well, week one, I'm with you. Week three, we'll see what he does week one and week two. Week five, not necessarily as much a slam dunk. I I maybe I'm overly optimistic about Nick Sirianni and his ability to make Well, decisions. I don't think he is. And by the way, I don't think Jalen Rager is going to play himself off the field. I think he's going to be better than last year. I think he is a work in progress. He's got a lot of work to do. He's got a lot of improvement. I don't think he's going to be a disaster. I'm not writing him off as a player. I don't want people to think that. But right now, Quez Watkins uh, deserves to be on the field. It, you know, again, he's got to finish it. it it's still too early. Um, uh, maybe the pumpkin shows up. Uh, but right now, he, he is pushing for, for playing time. And I hope that door is open. I hope that door is open so we can go through it. I've seen too much where it's not open. Now, well, Nick here- Sirianni talks the game. This is my point, Jody. He talks the game. If you're going to talk the game, you know, let him be in that game. I I agree with it. And with the fact that they opened up in 12 uh, offense last night, starting two tight ends, with the fact that Richard well, Rodgers played as well play. as he did By the, way, the third tight end, with but, the fact that Tyree Jackson made a couple of plays, maybe we can drop the conversation about, ooh, the, Knicks, the, the, the Eagles need a veteran wide receiver. No, they no, don't. They need a better and wide receiver. But by the way, he should play twelve personnel. He should exactly. And, and and but but here's the problem: when you play twelve personnel, and again, I'm putting Demonte Smith off to the side. Hopefully, he's healthy, ready to go. He's going to be one receiver. You know that second receiver is going to be Jalen Rager, twelve personnel. Probably, but so Quez Watkins never sees the field if they stay in no, 12 personnel. You're gonna, they're not going to play 12 personnel 100% of the time. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, look, you're right. I mean, if Zach Ertz is here, Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz are better than insert name. Everybody you have at the wide receiver position. So they got to play a lot. That that You know, this guy is not going to play 12 personnel 100% of the time. He's going to play three wide. He's going to play four wide. He's even going to play five wide. He's going to have running back split out wide. Other people are going to play. He's going to play. What I'm saying is you have two default wide receivers in the worst case scenario at the wide receiver position. In other words, 12 personnel. When you only have two on the field, and when you only have two on the field, it's going to be Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager. Well, we'll see if uh, Quest Watkins can cut into that equation. He's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Michael K. from NJ.com joins us next. Stick around. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Aiden. Friday, football Friday here on Birch 365, and usually that's leading into a Sunday game. That's what it's going to be for the Fridays uh, going forward when the regular season kicks in. But here in the preseason, it's a day after an Eagles game. Preseason loss to the Steelers last night. Uh, yeah, we know they lost. Uh, the final score is pretty irrelevant. How did the Eagles play? John and I have been giving you our thoughts on it. We're going to get our buddy Michael K from NJ.com to give us his thoughts on it. All right, Kate, what, 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 uh, you're a little dark there. What's it say on the hat? Uh, it's Roswell Films. If you, if you know the Foo Fighters, it's Dave Grohl's uh, production company. Okay. Since, right. since John wants me to wake up after I went to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I got to wake up. So I got, I got, I got, I got to drag other people with me, Mike. And who better yeah, to drag know, than Mike K? And John and I are good friends, so I'll do anything for him. But, you know, I won't do my hair this early. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, the, re- the reason I ask about the hat is 
it's better than the Yankee hat that Devonta Smith had on last night during the game. That uh, that probably didn't score any points with the Philly fans. Oh, uh, we're doing that already? <laughs> yeah. Oh, why not? I'm not. Right I'm off not. the bat. That's I'm, an icon. That's listen, an iconic logo. He can listen. That logo is yeah. is something that's just become a fashion like yeah. forward brand yeah. i i don't know right, yeah. hey, Al, alan iverson did it for years to yeah. can do it. if you're great you can get away with it. it it's a matter if you if you're not great then they might start to notice but i do want to shift gears and thanks for for jumping on mike and read mike and nj.com obviously uh you had uh your interesting thoughts on the game so but i want to start with jalen hurts obviously for um, I think it's ironic uh, that they treat him like a starter, but they won't name him the starter. And last night it was a perfect example of, again, we've been at every training camp practice. He's taken every first team rep. He plays two series. They treat him like a starter. That's fine. Have no issue. Why not name him the starter? What are, what are we waiting for? He's like a girlfriend that you date for 10 years and never proposed to. It's like a weird <laughs> – They've kind of given him the cold shoulder as far as I'm concerned. This is – whether he, he accepts that being a cold shoulder or not is is kind of irrelevant. But every – look, actions speak louder than words. I wrote this after the draft that them drafting Devontae Smith spoke to their understanding of what the quarterback situation was. We hear all these Devon, uh, Deshaun Watson rumors. John, you and I have talked about it several times. We've both reported it. Those are definitely legitimate. Uh, and so he's going to continue to be the starter until he's not. And Nick Sirianni doesn't want to put his foot in his mouth, declare himself or declare his starter. And then all of a sudden stuff changes. Deshaun Watson's legal situations figured out. Everything, you know, goes forward. He doesn't want to lie to the locker room. He's building that trust in the locker room. And we saw towards the end of Doug Peterson's tenure that once you lose the locker room it's a like a plat like it just plateaus so I think Sirianni's choosing his words wisely I don't disagree with what he's doing just from the standpoint of everything that's going on around him and all the variables but yeah it does kind of feel like the organization is giving Jalen Hurts a cold shoulder when all this kid does is keep a positive attitude I, I thought he came off very very well in his his post-game press conference uh, seems like he understands what he does wrong and then what he needs to correct. Will he correct those things? That remains to be seen. He handles it quite well. I agree with you there. You mentioned how Sirianni is playing in the locker room. How do you think Jalen's teammates look at this? Certainly the veteran guys understand there's a lot that goes into roster building and declarations by the coach and stances by the organization. Rookies are just too busy fighting to make the team and establish themselves in the National Football League. But guys like Lane Johnson, who have been here before, and Brandon Brooks and Fletcher Cox, any of them surprised and or ticked off at the way the organization is handling Jalen Hurts, you think? No, they've been around. They know how this organization works. Um, but I think when you have guys who came in with Jalen, younger guys who have gravitated towards him, especially last season, you notice that he he really had a hold of the locker room even when Carson Wentz was the starter. So I, I think those guys want to fight for Jalen. I think they want him to be the starting quarterback. I think they want to make plays for him because they they have that relationship. Jalen's gone out of his way to, to make relationships with everyone, basically, is what he said yesterday. And, you know, you see it. Uh, Quez Watkins gets the screen pass for a touchdown 
with Joe Flacco at quarterback, the first guy that goes over and celebrates with him, Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jason Huntley, we've been in, in training camp practice. The dude will have a big run, and Jalen Hurts will come all the way over from the offensive sideline and celebrate with him. He's celebrating with the third or fourth string running back. So I, I think Jalen Hurts is his – I don't think it's political, but I think Jalen Hurts has kind of won the election uh, running unopposed or against the rumors within that locker room. Uh, you know, before you jumped on, Mike, Jody and I were talking a little bit about pedigree, and I want to talk about two of those young receivers. And you mentioned one of them, Quez Watkins, but also Jalen Rager. Um, I think we all know Jalen's going to play. There's no question about that. I, I do think from the foundation and from the day he got here, one of the foundational pillars of Nick Sirianni was competition. Quez Watkins still has a lot of work to do. Nothing's finished. But he's put himself in the conversation to be in this group of receivers. Is that fair to say at this point? Absolutely. I think, if anything, Travis Fulgham's the guy that suffers here. Uh, I, I think you can move Rager into the slot and be very comfortable and run a look where it's, you know, Devontae Smith, who they say they're comfortable running him at X, um, Rager in the slot and Quez Watkins at the Z spot. Because right now, Travis Fulgham's dropped a lot of passes, which is very concerning. He didn't get targeted last night. Um, it's been up and down for him. He's made some plays, it, it, but it's been lackluster. And so I think when you look at a guy like Quez Watkins, the first guy who's going to take a hit is Travis Fulgham. It's not going to be Jalen Rager. I think they see something in Rager. I think they're willing to go through the mud of, of – all of the inconsistencies and have him play. I think he'd actually be better in the slot. We saw him dominate on slant routes last year in training camp, and then they really didn't ever put him in the slot. So I think, yeah, Quez Watkins is definitely in the discussion. He's been in the top four wide receiver discussion from the jump. Now it's a matter of, hey, is he going to get 20 to 30 snaps a game? Michael, well, let's talk about pedigree at the running back spot. Because it was a bit of a surprise last night that Miles Sanders was the only regular who wasn't injured, who didn't play, never got off the bench, didn't get the night off. So they went to all of their other running backs, and there really isn't another pedigree running back there. Hunley off the scrap heap, Gainwell day three pick, Carryon Johnson inexpensive and comes in and says, yeah, I'll even take less. And then you got Jordan Howard on the comeback. They don't really have pedigree there. Do you think that's why Sirianni made the decision to not uh, play Miles Sanders last night? Because he really does have to decide who his other running backs are because he can't go by the pedigree chart. He's got to play Jalen Rager because he's a second-round pick. He's got to play. And running backs are basically all starting from the same point. Is that why we didn't see Miles Sanders last night? Judy, I think that's a very – yeah, I think that's part of it. But I also think the fact that we've seen Miles Sanders be injured in his past two training camps played a large factor in it as well. You don't want to go into the season with your with your top stallion on the sideline. I, I think they know how big Miles Sanders will be for this offense. And frankly, the risk isn't worth the reward. Uh, he's played, you know, he, he's played in the league. He knows what he's doing. He's looked good in training camp. I don't really think, especially from a running back standpoint, I, I think when you have a, a, a number one running back and an, even a number two running back, they don't really need that much of a load. I mean, I think Boston Scott got one carry. 
Jordan Howard had the one carry for three yards and then that insane blitz pickup where he threw that uh, Steelers DB into another planet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, they've got to figure out what this rotation is going to be. Boston Scott's definitely going to be part of it. It looks like Jordan Howard is, is one-upping on Johnson, which was a little surprising to see on the initial depth chart, but after watching last night's game, you totally get it as to why he's kind of in that conversation. And then Jason Huntley, excuse me, um, up and down performance, had a bad drop, uh, bobbled another pass, um, but also had a really nice kick return. So, yeah, they had to figure out what that, uh, you know, what was going on there. Elijah Holyfield is, you know, a non-existent, but I, I know there are people that, that, or rooting for him, but yeah, that ain't going to happen. So yeah, I, I do think they had to experiment and see what they had at running back, but they also didn't give any of those guys a lot of time or a lot of touches. So it's interesting to see how they'll evaluate the process. It seemed like they wanted to give them a lot of pass blocking grabs. Yeah. By the way, Elijah is, is a um, good person for the kids to emulate. That guy hustles, burst every drill, does everything right, you get to stick around as as sort of on the uh, on the periphery of things, but he's not going to be relevant. Mike's right as far as making this roster. I do want to talk about the coaching staff as a whole because one of the positives for me coming out of that game, Mike, was the fact that we've all talked about the small practices, the 70-minute practices. You know, how much could they possibly be preparing? Are they preparing enough? I thought the most positive thing out of – preseason week one game with a rookie head coach everything was clean early everything was pretty clean early no hiccups no real mental er errors Uh, it looked like the communication went well any issues with the logistics of the young coaching staff no it was they were efficient um they got points on the first drive it seemed like Everybody knew their responsibilities with those starters and second team groups. There were no penalties, I think, until like late in the second quarter. Um, so it was it was a nice, like you said, it was a clean showing initially. I mean, it's kind of hard when you're when you have starters that are playing one series or two series or even three series to, to kind of find that rhythm. But it did kind of feel like they were polished. I know it's the preseason. I know that the, the defense is playing a backup quarterback, playing against a backup quarterback, but it did seem like they were just very efficient. Uh, the defense looked as the starting defense in their one series looked as dominant as it had during training camp. The offense moved the ball relatively well. I know there were two really brutal drops by Jalen Rager and Zach Ertz, but otherwise, um, I, look, I thought Jalen Hurts looked accurate. And uh, look, I, I'm sure he wants that go-route throw to Quez Watkins back. But otherwise, I mean, if, if, if those drops don't happen, we're, we're talking a completely different completion ratio of, I think it's like five of... Five of seven, yeah. Five of seven, yeah, yeah. Five of seven for whatever. But, like, I, I do think that Jalen Hurts performed a lot better than I expected him to, if that makes sense. Like, he, he, he looked very efficient. The offense looked efficient. The defense looked very good. And I think that speaks to the way they were prepared. Uh, You know, we constantly got on Doug Peterson for them not taking advantage of the first drive or or the opening drive. Uh, This offense looked like they could actually get down the field. I know it was, you know, two or three plays, but still it it looked like they were, were, you know, in a rhythm, so to speak. Mike, I got a coaching question for you as well. And it may have even been touched on in the post-game media availability. If it was, please tell me uh, if I missed it. 
um, was speculated on on the broadcast last night. And, oh, by the way, I agreed with Ross Tucker. At some point in the second half, it looked like Shane Steichen was calling the plays. That both he and Nick Sirianni were on the headsets. They both had their uh, laminated charts in front of their face so as to not give anything away. And we know that Steichen is going to be sending the plays in to the quarterback, but it's supposed to be Sirianni making the calls. It looked like in the second half that he may have given that responsibility to Steichen. Did anybody ask either of the two coaches about it after the game? We didn't, uh, just because it's kind of hard to see that on the sideline from the press box. But um, Sirianni earlier this week said that, you know, um, Todd Haley and – Mike McCoy used to let him call plays in the preseason. So it wouldn't be shocking if, if he lets Steichen take a turn, maybe he takes, lets Brian Johnson take a turn down the road. Uh, but that's pretty common in the NFL. Andy Reid used to do it all the time in the preseason. I'm sure he still does in Kansas city uh, with Eric bien So I, I don't think it's that alarming, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I look, I, I think Steichen's a guy who actually has experience calling plays. So it wasn't like it was that big of a deal if they did, transition over that said the third team offense was pretty terrible i wouldn't use the word alarming but the only thing that kind of grabbed my attention was this is the first time nick ever called plays if he's in no, his he third year and he said steichen yeah. go ahead take the second half okay i get it but this is the first time he's ever called plays as the head coach he's already well, passing the baton by the second half yeah, he's got the opportunity in the past, though. Then that's what Frank Reich and, and Mike McCoy, as as Mike said, and also Todd Haley gave him that opportunity. So I don't know. Mike's right. We can't see that uh, from the from the press box. Right. That's why I brought it up, because you guys are at a disadvantage. I'm just watching yeah. on my TV, and I thought it was a pretty good point. Other, other, people, other people have done it for them, so maybe he would like to do it for his guys as well. But that's just speculation. I do want to shift to the defensive side of the ball, Mike, and Jonathan Gannett. We've seen a lot of multiple looks in practice. We didn't see anything. I don't think it's any surprise it was very vanilla. But that first-team group looked pretty darn good. And I know you mentioned uh, in your column, Javon Hargrave. I was impressed with Alex Singleton, who obviously missed a lot of time with COVID uh, early in camp. How, how good do you think this group can be? I think they can be really good, but they have to figure out that Sam linebacker role. Right now, it's like a hybrid position that they've got three guys who should be on the fringe of the roster playing at. Right. They've got um, well, Jannard Avery sidelines, which Joe Osman started. Uh, he did all right. I mean, and then they had Patrick Johnson go in there, and I was actually impressed by him. I hadn't noticed him in training camp at all, and I thought he had uh, a couple of really good series and then got injured and had to leave. But they have to figure out the way to use that same linebacker role. I, I speculate that Ryan Kerrigan, Ryan will, Kerrigan yeah. yeah, Ryan Kerrigan will eventually have that role. Makes a lot of sense. But as far as running a very vanilla 4-3 defense last night, I thought they were very efficient. Again, I, I look, I, I think it's about getting to the spots, knowing the field, knowing your teammates, and, and getting a feel for, for the defense. We all know that while you can switch stuff up and change numbers and do all this other stuff, defense is defense, and it's about reading and reacting to plays. And I thought they did a very good job with the first-team defense last night. I think Javon Hargrave is going to be dominant. When he signed last year, I thought he was the the most underrated signing in the entire league. Uh, he didn't really make me look good those first eight weeks when he was kind of 
coming off an injury and kind of finding his way in a four, three defense. But now you're seeing he's, this guy could be really dominant. He, I mean, he and Fletcher Cox could be a really deadly combination. Then you got the defensive ends on the outside doing really well. And Milton Williams last night, uh, man, tough, tough beat. If you're a, a, a pro personnel scout who didn't like that pick, because that kid is really good. Um, reminds me a little bit of Darren Howard. If you remember back in the day, can move inside and outside can rush uh, from both. And actually is very disruptive against the run. But I thought that sack that T Y McGill got was very largely due to Milton Williams, like just heaving uh, <laughs> Joe Haig, to the ground. Joe Higgs, a six-year pro, and the yeah. rookie made him look <laughs> ridiculous. So I, I think, look, positive signs from the, the yeah. front seven. Tom Donahue was hoping he didn't make that uh, that video didn't get out there at this point. JG was happy with Milton yeah. Williams. JG was fired up. Well, he's a former scout, and he knows what he's doing. So I think, uh, <laughs> listen, I think JG is, is a guy who, once we see what they're doing, we'll be able to really evaluate thoroughly. Uh, I've been very impressed by their practices. I, uh, I reached out to a member of the coaching staff just saying, Hey, this is like one of the most efficient defensive practices I've ever seen. Like they, they're very, very good at feeling out plays. I think the secondary is showing its experience for the most part. I actually think Marcus Epps has played relatively well filling in the role, uh, Opposite Anthony Harris. I thought Anthony Harris played very well in read and reacting last night. Uh, I'm interested to see how these corners do long term. I know a lot of people are blowing smoke that Darius Slay and Steve Nelson are having great camps. I think they're having good camps. Um, but that's still impressive considering Nelson just got here, didn't have an offseason program, is learning the defense. Uh, I thought Zach McPherson struggled a little bit more than I thought he would last night, but I think he'll bounce back. Yeah, quick question on the secondary. Um, last night. Dwayne Haskins, 16 of 22. Mason Rudolph, 8 of 9. Joshua Dobbs, 5 of 6. Where was the good secondary play? I know it's been in practice, is one thing. I didn't see it last night. Yeah, I mean, I think Mason Rudolph did most of that stuff against the second team. I mean, the first team defense was on the field for one series, and they yeah. couldn't move the ball and force them to punt almost immediately. Right. So we didn't see anything. We didn't see anything good. We didn't see anything bad. We didn't see anything. Right. Um, yeah, I'm going off basically what I've seen from training camp, but right. again, I, I think, yeah, the second team and third team defense is whew, not great, not terrific. Um, still, they took a you know a 16 7 lead to halftime, and then the third team group got ripped apart right. by a former first round pick. So, like, I, I mean, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's one of those things where yeah. Josh Hobbs had a freaking horrendous interception, uh. Elijah Riley was like the one guy who could pull out a highlight there. But yeah, the thir- second and 13 defense, that's concerning. I mean, look, they, they struggled to tackle. They didn't really do very well on the boundaries. Um, but I think something that we should take away is a lot of players kind of bounce back after bad plays. We saw Michael Jaquette get beat down the sideline for 30 yards. He comes back and reads a, a, an end around and drops a guy for a loss of two. Uh, Joe Osman had like a bad missed tackle, came back and, and and got a stop. I think that's kind of the mentality this team is taking. And it wasn't something that we saw a lot with the Eagles of the previous two seasons where it seemed like bad plays kind of haunted them for, 
for large stretches. So we'll see. Look, it's one preseason game. It's very hard to evaluate all that stuff. But yeah. I like what I saw, at least from the perseverance standpoint, from the efficiency standpoint. You brought up an interesting name to me in Marcus Epps because I think he's uh, he's got a, a natural instincts as a, as a single high safety. I don't know how much single high they're going to play. More cover two, more cover three, I think. Um, Kayvon Wallace was obviously there, and they hope Rodney McLeod is is ready week one. I mean, that's ultimately the plan. But if it is Kayvon Wallace or or Marcus Epps, I think Epps has been better. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I think Wallace is more of a box safety that they're using in a role where he's going to play cover two. I think he can play cover two and that's fine. But I think Marcus Epps has done better in coverage for sure. At least from my, my standpoint in training camp, he, he look, I, I, he's a guy that they really like. He's an analytics darling as they wrote up on the broadcast last night. You know, he's got the speed, he's got the size uh, and they seem to like him. I know he was a big Tim Houck fan or a, a big uh, Tim Houck favorite. So you know, maybe there's something to that. All right, uh, Mike, if Zach Ertz's value across the league, what the rest of the league thought of him going into last night's game was X. After last night's game, is it X plus? Is it X minus? Or is it still the same exact X it was before the game? I think it's still the same. I mean, look, I think you're going to see ups and downs from him. I don't think he's the same player that he was three years ago, for sure. I also think, you know, look, there's a mental block there. Uh, and I think, look, he's going to have bad days. He's going to have good days. I think he's had a really good training camp thus far. That said, that drop is brutal. Um, and you can't you can't ignore that. Uh, he came back, made a nice catch uh, on the next series. But, you know, that's the, that could be the difference between three and seven points. So I, I think when you're evaluating Ertz, I think you realize, yeah, he's gotten a lot of, you know, work. And I think eventually guys break down, although Ursa's game isn't really <clears throat> detrimental from a from an injury or or a wear and tear aspect. He doesn't really go for yak. It's not like he's a very, very consistent blocker. So um, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens here. But, yeah, I, I don't think that he raised his stock or dropped his stock last night. I, I think – this is going to be a feeling out process. I'm starting to think he's going to be here. He led them out of the tunnel last yeah. night. Uh, the Eagles fans love him. Um, they've opened up money to make his salary cap hit irrelevant. So it's just kind of a matter of, hey, is there an injury somewhere that you know opens up a trade? I mean, we just saw last night the Jaguars in the middle of this preseason game traded uh, Joe Schubert to the Steelers. Nobody in the press box kind of knew what was going on uh, from the Steelers' standpoint. Uh, although some of them were cheering for, during the game, which was kind of weird. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, uh, yeah. Well, let's. I I, I want to uh, follow up on Zach because you mentioned he did lead the team out of the tunnel, mm -hmm. and you know they start on offense. Where do they start, Mike? Twelve personnel. Uh, Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, if he is here, he's got to play, right? He's just better than the receivers. I mean, you want the speed on the field, obviously. Doug wanted the speed on the field. But these receivers just aren't good enough to take Zach Ertz off the field. Now, obviously, you know, you're going to play three receivers, four receivers, even five receivers at a time 
in this offense. But Zach's got to play a lot if he's here. Is that – do you see it any other way? No. I mean, look, like you said, the wide receivers aren't ready. And so you don't know what you have in Devontae Smith as much as you liked him as a prospect. And, I, yeah, I think at least early on you're going to have to run a lot of 12, which is kind of a shame because this offense wants to – you can tell this offense really wants to be an 11 personnel team. And so – you know, when that conflicts and the personnel conflicts, the coach has to kind of maneuver around. Doug Peterson did a really good job of that early on, um, and they were successful. But when you have two mouths to feed like Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, it's kind of hard to satisfy the middle of the field and then leave the boundaries completely bare. That's part of the reason why the Eagles struggled the last two years. You weren't attacking the corners, and – so defenses didn't respect you, and you didn't take advantage. So I think that's an issue that can pop up if Zachers is still here. Mike, how much access are you guys going to have, you, John, all the rest of you beat guys, to the upcoming joint practices between the Patriots and Eagles? And uh, good uh, speculation, give it. What do you think the Eagles are looking to achieve and accomplish coming out of these practices against a live opposition? Well, as far as availability, I'm told that I can wear Bill Belichick's hoodie for nice. 20 minutes. Very uh, good. You're going to ditch the hat. Oh, you got to keep the hat. I, then I got to pass it to Jimmy Kemsky, who I don't think will give it back. But uh, <laughs> so, um, look, I, we're going to be there for the whole thing. Um, I'm expecting some really quick drills. I think there's going to be some pretty good matchups there. I, I'm, I'm interested to see if Devontae Smith will be out there because I would like to see him – go up against Stephon Gilmore. Um, I, I think, look, I think both coaches value these as an extra preseason game. And I, I think they'll handle it as such. Uh, I don't think they'll be live at all. I don't think that's what Belichick wants. I definitely don't think that's what the Eagles want. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see them face a team that, you know, long-term that's not their own. And I think they need that because frankly, you know, we, we've seen Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett dominate camp. Um, but everybody's been like, well, they're just going up against Andre Dillard and Jordan Milano. Well, now you get to see him against another offensive lineman, another left tackle. Um, I think coverage could benefit from seeing somebody other than Jalen Rager or Quez Watkins. And so, look, I, I, I think this is an evaluation process, but it's also a roster-building process. And I think if the Eagles can find some talent on the Patriots roster that uh, might go by the wayside, that could be helpful as well. That's always a possibility. Um, we've seen a lot of player-for-player -player trades with Howie Roseman in the middle of training camp. Wouldn't be shocked if somebody stayed here after driving here from uh, from you know, Boston. So, or I guess New England, whatever. Anyway. So. <laughs> All right, Mike. Uh, NJ.com, everybody read Mike. I want to thank you for getting up early. I force you, but you would be young kid. You're up early anyway. You're, you're making all that stuff up. So last question from me, uh, who, who yields more power, the guy with that hoodie or does Nick Sirianni push back when we're doing the logistics of this practice? Or does Bill Belichick just get everything he wants? Well, no, I think Sirianni's going to be vocal, but yeah, obviously the uh, look the buck stops with with uh, with Belichick. Typically, I mean that's how it was when the Jaguar when I covered the Jaguars and they went up to New England. So maybe the home field advantage makes it a little bit different because Nick Sirianni knows the land of the land and, and what they've been doing. But yeah, I, I don't. It's going to be an interesting style 
clash because I'm under the impression Belichick likes to take advantage of every second of, of coaching time that he can, while Sirianni seems to be more on the, you know, hey, let's keep these guys fresh uh, line of thinking. So I guess we'll find out um, if it's, you know, if it's the former, then we know Belichick's in charge. If it's the latter, well, then Nick Sirianni has got to say. But I do think Nick Sirianni will be vocal about what he wants and what he wants to accomplish. Over, under 95 minutes. You're going over or under? Over, over, over. over okay, over. all right. Then, <laughs> then, then Belichick will be calling the more important <laughs> shot. Michael, good stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Thanks, bud. Thanks for having me. Michael Thanks, K. Mike. from NJ.com uh, does a great job covering Eagles and gave us some good insight <laughs> here today. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, a.k.a. your Birds 365 guys. Mac and Mac coming back in just a sec. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. 
John McMullen and Jody McDonald come down the home stretch with you here on Bird Street 65. Hi, right, J-Max. So I'm watching a game last night, and that first Trust Bank commercial comes on yeah. the broadcast. And I'm uh, going, yeah, somebody else hears that other than us. I hear that in the commercial how many times a day? I can recite it for you if you need uh, me. On Eagle Broadcast last night. I was actually psyched. The little things in life do get me excited, like Jake Elliott going three for three uh, after having a less than stellar year last year. And all of them had extra carry. Neither one, None of them just went over the crossbar. Uh, he had good boot on each and every single one of them. And, yeah, that's going to be a key as to whether the Eagles win four or five games this year or six or seven games this year or the overly optimistic John McMullen and Jody McDonald predictions of eight wins this year for the Eagles may come down to uh, field goal kicking. And it was good to see uh, Jake do what he did last night. All right. Uh, ask it if Jimmy gets the same thing out of you. Uh, I know you made it a question for Jimmy, but don't know that I uh, got your opinion. Belichick dictate these practices this week, or is it a they decided ahead of time and that's the way it works out? I don't know that Nick Sirianni has any relationship whatsoever with Bill Belichick. How are these practices going to run? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always interested to this. I was interested. He was here with Chip Kelly back in the day. Same thing. I kind of went, like, how do you go into a, a meeting with Bill Belichick as a rookie head coach and say, oh, no, I, don't, I want to do it this way? I don't know. It'd be tough for me. The good thing about Nick Sirianni, I said, you know, early with his press conferences, and we would always talk about, during the draft when it would be Howie Roseman and Joe Douglas and Doug Peterson, Doug would just stay off to the side. Um, this year when it was Howie and it was Andy Weidel and Nick Sirianni, Nick kind of took over. So Mike K is, yeah, I, Mike K is, is right. They'll probably speak up. He's that type of guy. They'll speak up. I don't know if he'll get anywhere. I mean, Belichick might pull out the, uh, uh, what are we at? A hundred rings now? How many rings? Uh, <laughs> a lot of jewelry. He might, up, he might pull out all the jewelry and say, "Look, Nick, I'm happy you got the job, but this is the way we're going to do it." Ultimately, that's what. I, if I had all that jewelry, that's the way I would act. I'd understood. And the uh, pa uh, Patriots, as a matter of fact, were a below 500 team last year. Yes, Bill Belichick has a lot of jewelry, and a bunch of the guys who are still on his team have jewelry to show off to, but they have also turned over that roster. Spent a little bit more in free agency than they've ever done before this yeah, year. So Tom yeah, Brady's they, not coming in, which I'm disappointed. I would say, I yeah, we, we only got a couple minutes. Most fun of practice I've ever seen. It's when Tom Brady showed up here for joint practices. I've never seen, you hear a lot of cursing at football practice. I've never heard more cursing. It was because in one-on-one -on -one drills, uh, he he was throwing perfect balls to the Patriots receivers. I was right on the sidelines. I would see the Eagles defensive backs come walking back, every single one of them shaking their head saying, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> every single one of them. It was amazing. I've never seen a display of accuracy like that. Never. All right. Uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to in practice this week is – Quez, new superstar, darling of Philadelphia, Watkins against, how about Jalen Mills coming back yeah. to Lincoln Financial, too. get Jaylen some uh, action in to try and stop his uh, former teammates. How, 
pumped up do you think Jalen will be for this week's practice? I think he'll be happy to. Jalen's a really good guy. I think he'll be happy to see us, number one. He was always very media-friendly, always very accountable, whether he played bad or played poorly. He was one of those guys who I thought Eagles fans should have taken more pride in. We we, we talked a lot about pedigree during this show. That was a seventh-round pick. Yep. It was, you know, a Super Bowl cornerback developed into really quickly. Should have taken a ton of pride in that guy. Ultimately turned into such a, a versatile player, and it got him a nice little deal with the New England Patriots. He was a he was a good player when he was here, and I don't think he gets credit for it. I said, uh, John, before you and I were partners, I say it all the time on WIP. He gave up a couple of really big plays during his time here in Philadelphia. Yeah, he got does. burnt, and he got burnt bad, and they got seared into the memory of Eagle fans. But he made a hell of a lot more good plays than he did bad plays. But people just seem to remember all the bad plays that he made and completely overlooked all the good plays that he made. The New England Patriots did, and that's why they gave him the contract that they did. During his when we're talking about Jalen Mills, just I'm going to say uh, one name. Julio Jones, and think about Super Bowl 52. If he doesn't make the play in the end zone, you don't even get past the Atlanta Falcons. And that's a very good point and, and fair and accurate. The uh, biggest question I have for Jalen Green is, and we'll find out when he shows up, what color is the hair these days? Uh, it's still green. As, He's still rocking a green. Yeah. Still checked, the green uh, goblin. The Patriots are not green. They're blue. They're red. They're not green. But I guess you can choose green air whenever you damn well please. It'll uh, be good to see Jalen Mills. It's good to see you today, buddy. All right, uh, uh, for our listeners, what's the breakdown? John McMullen guest appearances. John McMullen host appearances next week. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, you're going to have Jeff Kerr. I'll be down watching the Patriots and Bill Belichick and I'm trying to get the hoodie that Mike Kay has evidently already uh, got for himself. Uh, I believe I'm here Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Wednesday, as always, tentative. So, hope, cross fingers. We shall Monday, see. Tuesday, I'm out. Uh, you're not out. You're here at the top well, of the show. As I a, meant as out, a out, guest, you out will as be here. Bright and early at 8 o'clock, my friend. And then we'll let you get on with your Eagles practice yeah. day. Uh, partner, good job today, buddy. Uh, look forward to next week. Thanks, pal. Thank you, Jody. Everybody be back here next week with us on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.